is the Dog Gone Camping Podcast, where Ollie F and Michael H talk about all things camping. Places to go, shows, things to see, and taking the family and dish liggers with you on the journey. So stay around, grab a beer or wine, light the campfire while we talk camping. Yeah, good Ollie, yourself? Good mate, back for another episode of Dog Gone Camping. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Not really, a couple of days, maybe a week, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago. Well, as that time flies when you're doing nothing, you know. It does, but we can go camping now. I know, I tried a few places this weekend and I couldn't get in. Couldn't That's the pay, uh, pay places, and the free places were too um, too vague. Oh, end of the so, month, man. End of the yeah. month, we're out to uh, Stanthorpe. All booked, in, done. Should be a good weekend, actually. Looking forward to it. So, so am I. So this episode, we're, of, uh, we're talking about, we've got uh, Scott from Victoria on, and... Talking about this whole heart defibrillator thing and stuff like that that they're all talking about. Yeah, well let's with, let's, um, let's bring let's bring Scott on and he can tell us all about it. I reckon that's the best bet because I really don't know too much about it, but it's a pretty cool story and I think it's something that really needs to be shared. I sort of know how they work. They don't look like fun, but yeah. It's not, it's not even about that. It's just about you know. This whole, the whole story, everything with him and with Guy Leach and yeah. everything else, and the whole Heart One Eighty thing—it's yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think it, I think it affects the uh, the camping industry pretty well too. And you know, we're all well. Like, I know, I know it affects, I know it affects the accommodation industry. They've all got to have them. Well, yeah, there you go. They've, they've all got them. <laughs> they do. So, so yeah, right. So. Uh, Let's introduce him. Scott, how are you, mate? Pretty good, guys, and yourself? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no hey, good, Scott. Good, mate. Our, our first uh, proper guest, I guess you could say. I feel very privileged. Good on you, man. Pretty cool story. That, well, uh, we, we, we haven't had an unproper guest either. <laughs> don't, don't mind Michael. He's like eating while we're doing this podcast. But anyway, it's all good. Hey, what did you- so, I've listened to your other podcasts. What have you cooked for tea tonight? Come on, you're going to share or not? Tonight I did, um, I, I, I actually lit a fire because I had wood. Um, I got chicken thighs. I marinated them in uh, lime juice, lime zest, sesame oil, a bit of a smidge of um, sesame and a lot of chilli and garlic and cooked them over the flame and tell you what, they come out really good. <laughs> Actually, look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, nice. Good. We we well, we pretend to cook on the fire. Yeah. Uh, next time I'm up in uh, southeast Queensland, I'm look forward to the opportunity of dining with you guys again. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. So, mate, uh, this uh, whole Heart 180 thing with Guy Leach and everything else. How? What? What's the deal here? What's 
how this come about? Um, how how I guess let's go back to the start and start, yeah. and how <laughs> you sort of because obviously Guy Leach, you know, for those that don't know, he's a pretty high profile ex Australian Ironman from what the eighties, late eighties, early nineties era, something like that. So he's been around a while. But, yeah, um, look- but what? Yeah, you know how. Tell it, I guess tell us a bit about your story. I hear you had a pretty sort of... Uh, Interesting experience. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, yeah, let's, no, let's start no. with that. No, no problems at all. So, uh, yeah, look, um, depending on on how old you are or, or in some cases how young you are, um, you know, I, I grew up with Guy Leach on the Uncle, you know, Uncle Toby's Iron Man television and uh, when I've been talking to a few people about him, you know, around my age group, yeah, everyone knows him, but I discovered that... Uh, Quite a few younger people know him because he also won the second series of Australian Survivor. So, uh, ah. uh, and he's also known for that as well. But mate, um, yeah, me waffling on too much. Um, I love my camping, and I've spent um, several decades four-wheel driving, fishing, and camping through the Victorian High Country, which initially was what I thought I was going to come and talk to you guys about. But I'm happy to share this story as well. Yep. And um, earlier this year, I was. Uh, up in the Victorian high country at a, a place called uh, Raspberry Hill, which is up in the Bogong High Plains. Uh, it was um, New Year's Eve, and uh, if many of you remember that most of southeast Australia and was on fire uh, during that period. And uh, we uh, got up there and were, were hiking a few of the, the tracks up around the Bogong High Plains. We could, at that level, you could certainly see the fires up um, along the coastline and... Uh, I won't say that we had a um, you know a death wish by any chance, many means, but uh, you know we we had a pretty good idea of where the fires were, where we were, and at no point in time did we really feel it uh, at risk. And um, on the last day we were there, um, I uh, did a solo hike up to a little lookout overlooking Falls Creek called Raper Lookout, and uh, uh, came back down off the lookout, go, went down to the village. I was just having a, a bite to eat and a, and a coffee. And uh, my emergency app went off to say that there was a fire at uh, Falls Creek. And uh, I'm looking around the village and, you know, it was semi-blue skies, nothing to be seen. And, uh, you know, the, the detail on it was that a, a dry lightning storm had struck Roper Lookout where I'd just been 40 minutes earlier. And uh, so I kind of figured at that point in time might have been, uh, you know, a good idea to put some contingency plans in place, yeah, headed sure. back to my camp yep. yeah, absolutely. and started packing up. And... Uh, Again, at this point in time, we'd, we'd been up there for four or five days, at, you know, no fires or smoke at that point in time. And um, uh, within the space of probably another half an hour, there was an, another series of, uh, of uh, lightning strikes going on. So uh, in the space of probably two hours, I, I missed getting uh, uh, struck by lightning um, twice and probably even a couple more, more times. And... Um, figured it was time to pack up and get out of there and because uh, all of a sudden we found smoke in the camp. So uh, I, I just quickly drove to a couple of other campsites and uh, made sure that everyone was kind of either packing up or getting out if you didn't know the area and uh, headed back down off the hill. And, I, and I, I guess the moment was, guys, coming down off the hill, um, I suddenly kind of had a bit of a realisation that I'd probably been pretty lucky that day uh, to A, not get struck by lightning and, and B, not to end up in the middle of a bushfire up on the yeah. Bogong High Plains. Yeah, so, so uh, not really the place you want to be. No, no. no. And, yeah, there have been a couple of other incidents around the world around that time as well that you clearly made you kind of question, 
you know, life and, and where you're at. Anyway, yeah. I kind of figured coming down off the mountain that uh, it wasn't my day to go. Uh, there was a reason that I was still alive and that obviously something exciting was going to happen in 2020. And uh, at that point in time, I didn't think it was coronavirus, but uh, mate, uh, pretty much two weeks after that event, um, I got a phone call from Guy Leach, who I've only ever watched on television, basically, and uh, said, mate, um, I need your help. Um, I've told that in terms of a particular industry that uh, I need to get some involvement in, you're, you're the man. So uh, that's how I ended up connecting with him. Yeah, so, so Guy Leach contacted you. Yeah. So how did that sort of come about? Uh, to look just through a series of, of network contacts. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess that gets into his story now. And um, um, cool. look, I, I'm not going to profess to be a medical expert here, but I have been thinking today um, in terms of this camping um, group, you know, how best to explain this. Uh, and there's, there's two ways to explain it, I think. I'll do my best and feel free to ask some questions as we go. You know, we, we all love sitting around a campfire. We love kind of driving. We love cooking food around the campfire. And and there's potentially um, a bit of a misconception between what I think would be classed as a heart attack and, and a cardiac arrest. Yeah. And so yeah. Guy Leach is specifically talking about a cardiac arrest. So if, like I was probably up to five years ago, if, if you love sitting in your car driving, pulling up to a campsite, lighting up a fire, cooking a great big meal, drinking a lot of alcohol. Um, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, you're probably not doing the great you know, thing by your body by having sat in the car all day and then sit there all night, you know, eating a big heavy meal and drinking food. And ultimately, from a heart attack perspective, as I understand it, as I said, I, I'm not going to profess to be the medical expert here. We'll put that disclaimer at the end. Is there a disclaimer? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 over, yeah. Over time, you know, plaque builds up in your arteries. Yeah. And what ultimately determines a heart attack is if a piece of that plaque breaks away and blocks sure. the artery, yeah. um, yeah. your heart stops pumping. Yeah. So, so ultimately, that's a heart attack. Now, if I talk about a cardiac arrest... Um, cardiac arrest is where the heart goes into what's called defibrillation. So it goes into like a shiver, yep. for want of a better description. And your brain thinks that the heart is still pumping because it's it's sensing movement. And uh, ultimately, uh, you'll collapse. And, and this is the difference is that, you know, uh, not, not wanting to typecast people, but if, if you're the type of person that sat in a car all day, um, eating big meals and drinking lots of alcohol, uh, there's a chance you could be overweight and, you know, you've probably got a heart attack waiting to happen. Yep. Um, cardiac arrest is somewhat the opposite and it actually can have a greater impact in very fit and healthy people uh, yeah, at okay. the end of the day. Yep. So that's, I so, guess, that is sort of where this is going, that from what I believe, Guy lost a mate of his who was very healthy and fit. Uh and they were out surfing or something like that. Is is that right? Yeah. So 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 guy um, still uh, surf paddles. Yep. Um, and most mornings, and he takes groups of people out, and um, he and one of his mates had been out paddling for the day. Basically, uh, carried the skis up the beach. We're putting it on in the car. Um, I understand. Guy put his surf ski on on the top of his car. He turns around and his mates passed out on the ground. Effectively. Yeah. Wow. And unconscious, and you know, again, he's he's come through the life-saving arena, so he's he's done the CPR yeah. gear. They've, he's had someone call Triple O, 
um, average time, and this is an important thing here, average time for an ambulance to attend um, is around about 12 minutes in Australia if you're in a metro area, yep. uh, obviously longer if you're in a regional area. Yep. And uh, the ambulance, you know, a guy continued to do the CPR on his mate, um, ambulance turns up, they, they took over, took them off to hospital and, and the sad part about this story is that his mate passed away in hospital later on yeah. because he'd actually had a cardiac arrest, <clears throat> not a heart attack. Yeah. And guys, um, as I've spoken to more and more of my friends and colleagues and <laughs> network people about it, it's amazed me the amount of people that I've talked to that say, yeah, mate, um, I was doing a marathon run the other day and, and someone in the marathon run had a cardiac arrest or I was out yeah. bike riding the other day um, and, and someone had a cardiac arrest. Um, so this is something completely different. And the more that I guess I've dug into it and you look at the stats, it, it is actually the biggest killer in Australia. Yeah. And, and yet it doesn't seem to get the press um, that a lot of other ailments and afflictions um, do. And, I'm, and I don't want to trivialise um, other, I guess, killers or diseases, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but this has actually kind of been a bit of an eye-opener for me. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so from there, from that experience that Guy had, he started Heart 180. So, so what, do you want to tell us a little bit more on that? Yeah, sure. Um, and so, look, again, this has been a, a huge discovery process for me. Um, and and as, as much as anyone else, I love sitting up in the high country with a, with a good campfire and a, and a, a nice feed and a drink. Um, and, and the reality is that what I've researched more and more is that um, defibrillation is where the heart goes into this shiver period. And in reality, the only way to resolve this is to stop the heart. Okay. And the only way, as we know it today, is to actually shock the heart to stop. So it's like reboot, rebooting a computer, which is something I think Michael had to do a little while ago. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, and effectively what happens is that the defibrillator um, stops the heart, which tells the brain that it's stopped, which reboots the system and then, uh, I guess, gets it back to its you know, normal beating and normal rhythm. And the right. defibrillator, because it's attached to your body, it, it reads that. Yeah. And so there, there could be instances where it doesn't stop it or doesn't reboot on the first instance. Again, no different to some of our computers of old. Yeah, Sometimes you had to reboot them two or three times to get them going, and, and the defibrillator does that for you. So in terms of what happened with Guy after this event with his mate, he did a lot of research and ultimately you know, tried to work out what he could or should have done differently. And, and ultimately what he found out was that... Um, to, to save his mate on that day, what he really needed was a defibrillator. Yep. And the reality is, and this is where the Heart 180 comes in, which is his, um, his uh, organisation and, and business and mission, is that if you can get a defibrillator onto a person that's had a cardiac arrest <clears throat> within a, 180 seconds, yep. um, you've got a, up to a 90% chance of saving that person. Yeah, wow. Um, every minute after the three minutes, yep. um, and, you know, it, it diminishes by 10%. So the reality is that with an average ambulance time of 12 minutes, the ambulance is never going to get there in time. No, not at all. And, not a hope. Yeah, I hope. And, and Michael, that's why you're seeing defibrillators in uh, resorts, um, gyms. I'm seeing them these days in supermarkets and shopping, shopping centres. Shopping centres, all that sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and ultimately, I guess coming back to the, the core of the conversation is a month ago or sorry, two, three months ago, I didn't know any of this. 
Um, as I said, we don't hear about this in the media like we hear a lot of other things. And so ultimately what Guy started is, is Heart 180 and what he calls the Heart 180 Army. Um, and, and I have to say you know, to anyone listening to us tonight, if, uh, if you want more information, just simply search Guy Leach or search Heart 180 and, and both of the um, websites and the information will come up from that perspective. Yeah. But that's pretty much what happens or what it's about. Um, I've just now ordered my first defibrillator. They're, they're not um, cheap, but, you know, probably an average price of about $2,000. Um, and, and to a point, I think this is maybe why um, it's not a, a well-known factor or, or it's not, you know, got the awareness that it probably needs because potentially 10 years ago, you know, defibrillators were probably $10,000 and you had to have some kind of a medical degree to use them. The reality is that with technology today, um, they're an average price of about $2,000 and you'll find most businesses um, and people will put them in. And, and now that I guess I've got an awareness of it, um, I've kind of scraped some money together. Yeah. Um, I've bought one for home. I'm going to let my neighbours know that I've got one. Um, there is actually a app called Good Sam that you can register um, your defibrillator on. Uh, okay. Which tells emergency personnel that um, you've got one, and yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and a uh, really good idea. Yep. Good one, yeah. And and I guess I, I'm also, you know, my intent is that I'm going to, you know, if if we're not here at home and we go off on a um, on a trip, then I'm going to actually you know, throw this in the car with me as well. Yeah, yeah. I I guess you know when it comes to putting. Defibs in, you know, supermarkets and stuff like that. That's fine when you're in those, you know, city centres. But when you're out camping in the bush, like you were in the high country at Christmas time, yeah, you, you really, yeah, really, you know, you're looking at easy probably two hours before an ambulance is going to get to you out there. Correct. Correct. So, and so you would rather have either someone in your group or a camper that's close by or the caravan park or even hanging on the wall in a national park. Why can't Correct. Yeah, yeah. you know, why why can't that be a thing? Yeah. And and look I'm sure people listening to this podcast, you know, can share some stories as well. But certainly um in, could, yeah. yeah, in in terms of some you know, remote trips, you know, it's it's probably been commonplace that if any of us were to go on a remote trip, you know, one of the things that we'd make sure that we had in the vehicle was a, a satellite phone. Okay. Correct. Yep. You know, great if you're in trouble and, and you need to call someone and say, come and help me. But, you know, the, the reality is now, you know, uh, I'm not sure what a satellite phone costs these days, but I know what they used to cost. And the reality is that if you're in a group, you know, it would potentially be a good idea that the, the group, you know, co-fund a, um, a defibrillator for their for one of their vehicles on the trip as well, because you would just never know. 100%. I totally... And, and I think, yeah, if you're heading to the desert, at least then if, if you know, one person out of 10 that was going to the desert had one, if everybody in the desert is, say, on that same channel, right, and somebody needed one, you would be able yeah. to get a call out, an emergency call out, out there to somebody that would have one. Potentially, yeah. 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 And as I said, we just we don't hear the stories, guys. And as I said, it's um, it's yeah. been a real eye opener for me. And I guess ultimately, uh, I'm 
you know, proudly saying that I've, I've joined um, Guy's Heart 180 Army, and uh, I know potentially some of my, my friends and contacts are they're probably already getting sick of me talking about it. But seriously, um, I, I can't now probably talk about this enough in terms of awareness because we we hear, um, and I mentioned before, I, I, it's not my intent to trivialise other ailments, diseases, and killers. No. That's not what this is about. No, no, um, not at all. If, if you if you do the research. On, on Australia's you know, biggest killer disease, um, sudden cardiac arrest is the one that comes up. And the reason that it comes up is that when it happens, um, it, you know, this, this 180 seconds access to a defibrillator to effectively stop the heart and reboot it, yeah. and, and an ambulance won't get there in time. And, yeah. and also, uh, look, I don't jump into things lightly. And I wanted to kind of just make sure that the information that I was reading, um, you know, not that we shouldn't believe everything we read on the internet, but uh, it, uh, I, I suddenly remembered that my, my wife's cousin is actually one of the uh, senior paramedics here in Victoria. And uh, in the middle of coronavirus, I, I sent him a message and said, mate, I just need to have a chat when you've got a couple of minutes. And, and I went through this with him as well. And um, Ambulance Victoria run a similar program down here. In fact, uh, he was happy to talk to me about a, a little regional town where they've set up a town as a bit of a prototype, um, you know, based on people, based on travel times. And they've got this little town to actually invest in a number of um, defibrillators around the town um, as a bit of a, of a test pilot. So effectively, everyone within that town is currently within 180 seconds of a defibrillator should wow. one of them need it. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So, and I guess ultimately out of this, I, I hope someone, I guess, he gets the message or hears from it. And, and ultimately, that would be uh, would be my aim too. Is that I'm yeah. I'm to a point talking about this that ultimately someone's life could so, get saved as a result of this. So, right, let's let's say I'm heading to the desert. Right, we're going to do a, you know, west coast to east side crossing of the Simpson Desert. Right, we've got it. Group of three of us, uh, we're travelling, we're doing our planning, you know, this person's going to travel that, everything, carry this, carry that, you know, you split it up between everyone so everyone's not doubling up on everything. Yes. What, what's the cost of a defib for, say, a group of three, three, you know, couples that are going to travel in a group? You know, what's yep. it going to cost? You know, someone's going to have a sat phone. So, you know, and someone in the group's going to carry a shovel and a camp oven and whatever. Like, yeah. What are we talking cost-wise here? Yeah, to, yeah, look. You know, that could save someone's life in the middle life. of nowhere. Yeah, look, look you're, you're looking at no more than $2,000 um, for a unit. Yeah. Um, and these, these units are, are powered by a lithium battery, as, I'm, as I now understand. Um, the... The ones that um, uh, guys involved in are the um, the striker medical units, um, which are uh, out of uh, Seattle in the USA. And for point of reference, they're also the ones that many a couple of years ago uh, uh, the Packer family invested in. And I think they because uh, Kerry had a heart attack, he uh, funded one for every one of the Westpac helicopters or something like that. Someone will know more of the details on that one. But it's uh, that would be other thing too. You know, be careful what you buy on eBay. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that there's not some good deals out there, but the reality is that yeah, you're looking to invest <clears throat> no more than $2,000 for a good unit. Yeah. Um, and these units um, come currently with an eight-year warranty and a four-year battery life. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I like about the, the ones that I'm starting to do some research on and the one I've ordered for myself is that it's got a little LED light 
that that basically um, uh, self tests every week, um, yeah, right. and all you don't have to get it out. You just have to be able to see that these little LED lights, you know, um, flashing the right colour, and, and you know that it's right and that it's good to go. And after four years, you need to replace the battery and, and pad pack. Um, and again, you're looking around the, the two two hundred and fifty to two hundred sorry two hundred dollars to two hundred fifty dollars to replace the bad pack, um, as I understand it. Um, and even you know, just as a, interesting as more I've done research. Um, because I guess to a point I love my technology, but I came across um, in Canada where um, they're treating it so seriously there in terms of the time frame that there's actually a company over there does defib deliveries by drone because they know that they can get a defib quicker to a, a, an emergency wow. situation by drone than they can in a vehicle. So, so this just gives you an idea of the awareness wow. that is currently out there. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, so, that's pretty full. So what's uh. So what's the go with, like, obviously, you know, you you buy a defib and this is a unit that, you know, you connect up to somebody's body and it puts yep. an electrical shock or whatever it is through their body. Like, what's the training yep. involved in using something like, um, something yeah, like well, this? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you two scenarios. So uh, I, one of the things that was on my bucket list was that uh, I needed to get off my bum one day and actually do some first aid training. <laughs> Um, yep, so I just spent spent two days this week doing uh, the uh, first aid certificate with St John's um, here in Victoria. Yep, good move. And for anyone that's done um, first aid training in the past, uh, you may recall a, this very simple ABC, yep. uh, which is uh, you know clear airway, breathing, and then CPR if necessary. Well, the training that I did um, is now called ABC and D, mm. and D would stand for defibrillation yep. okay so so it, it's it's currently part of um uh you know standard first aid training yep as uh, to to when you know when to use this and what to use this so if you if you um if you do first aid training you'll get some training on this particular unit now there's different units out there but the principle is pretty much the same and most of the units the minute you open them up um a bit like you might have heard on uh, uh bondi rescue you, know, you open them up and they start talking to you Yep. Okay, so it, so it is possible that someone that's not trained in first aid could actually open this up, um, and it will tell you what to do. Um, and ultimately, uh, there's there's two units that uh, that I'm involved with. Uh, one is what's called the um, HeartSign 360P, and, and they're really good if you've got first aid training and, and you're competent with CPR. There's also a HeartSign 500P, and this is probably the one we recommend for people that have limited first aid training because this one's actually reading um, the heart signs and the vital signs and will actually coach you on the CPR as well. So it will tell you good CPR or push harder or push faster or push slower. So, But, but both units are very good and capable in terms of what they do. Yeah, wow. So you can pretty much buy one of these and have almost zero training and the machine tells you what you need to do? The, the 500p, uh, you, I would suggest, would be as close as you'd get to that from what I've researched and yep. what I'm involved with. Um, yeah, you could, yes, open up the packet and it starts talking to you and telling you what to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I look, and a classic scenario that I, I could suggest is that you, know, you might have one person in a couple that is um, actually first aid trained yep. uh, and the partner isn't. And uh, and it could be the person that's first aid trained is the one that actually has the cardiac arrest. So so there is a potential scenario where the um, the non first aid trained person is the one that has to use the, the defibrillator. Yeah, no, that 
that's exactly right. If yeah, you could uh easily have that uh sort of situation come up. So Oh well that's uh yeah, wow. That's pretty pretty cool story and yeah, pretty good mission, man. Yeah, well, again, as I said, the, the, the main messages would, would be um, don't take my word for it. Um, you know, do yourself a favour if you're listening to this uh, or while you're listening to this and, and Google sudden cardiac arrest yeah. um, and sudden cardiac arrest in Australia. Um, by all means, Google um, <clears throat> Guy Leach uh, or Google Heart 180. Um, and as was the case, you could, you could even Google St John's and there's information on this as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it totally is relevant. I mean, you know, we all love getting out in the middle of nowhere and can't. I mean, why every caravan park should have this? Every Potentially, camp, yes. Every camping ground, yeah. you know, all these commercial operators should have at least one of these on a wall somewhere. Yeah, and and look, as I understand today, it's it's not legislation. No. Uh, for this, but certainly, uh, and I'm sure your businesses are the same. Um, you know, you have to have some level of first aid training within your business, yep. and and if you do first aid training today, uh, from a certificate point of view, you'll you'll actually, as I understand, be taught about defibrillation and, and the benefit of it. But it, but it's not mandatory. But most businesses are investing in it. Um, yep. And the other thing I've discovered from a couple of accountant friends is that uh, as part of your first aid kit and equipment, these are tax deductible as yeah. well. So. Well, uh, on a on a personal side and business side of things, apart from the camping, I've actually been thinking about getting one myself. Uh, you know, to cool. throw to throw in the van and have you know in our work van for you know anything. I mean, how many times do are you driving along somewhere and you see a car accident or something like that? You know, yeah. like yeah, things yeah. can certainly. Yeah. And, and as I said, it's a, the, the thing that's kind of really shocked me is that. This isn't, um, you know, about the what I call the older generation. No. Um, this is younger and fit and healthy yep. people, yep. and there's a lot of research going on behind the scenes as to what causes it. But but right today, yep. um, the only way to to resolve this and save that person's life is as they call the ambulance and get them there as quickly as they can. Yep. But make you know, find out where your nearest defibrillators are so um as i said until i knew this I, I i never really understood what the the box was on the wall at the front of my cold supermarket yeah. now i know yeah yeah that's pretty cool all right man i think we're uh i think we're done here for tonight we're gonna uh we're gonna cut this podcast off you've done well thanks for sharing this story and we'll put it out there and you know maybe one day we'll have a talk to guy get him on here and yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, he'd love know, to. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a it's a good mission, and it really relates to everybody in the camping, in the camping world, and touring mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, if everybody could have a defib within 180 seconds, didn't matter where you were in Australia, you know, even if it saves one person's life. Correct. That's pretty cool. Cool. And yeah. guys, thanks for having me on. And uh, I no hope uh, you have me back one day to, to talk about my other passion, which is uh, camping, four-wheel driving, and hiking in the Victorian high country. I think we'll uh, we'll certainly have you back, man, for uh, for a bit more chat about good places to uh, camp in the high country. That's for sure. I know you love it down no there. No So, right, man. Thanks for that. We'll uh, we'll chat with you later on. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. See you, buddy.